Thank you so much for that prayer this morning, Doug. I appreciate it. Just a couple of quick announcements before I begin. Pastor Chad mentioned that this is the last day to sign up for the men's Wednesday evening Bible study. And Chad, I believe that sign-up sheet is in the gym. So it's in the gym. So if you're looking for it at the information center, it won't be there. And also, I think all the sign-up sheets for those uh, Wednesday Bible studies are in uh, the gym. Secondly, um, next Sunday morning during Sunday school, we will be meeting here in the auditorium. Josh and Beth Pollock are missionaries to Togo, Africa. Josh is a surgeon there. They're going to be presenting their ministry to us And the missions committee is recommending that we possibly consider them for financial support. So this is your opportunity to hear them. So next Sunday morning, the 17th, during Sunday school, here in the auditorium, all the adults, the senior high and the junior high will all be meeting here in the auditorium for that ministry presentation. I just wanted to remind you of that. Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you as we prepare our hearts for communion, um, I'd like you to turn to the Old Testament to Psalm 139, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 10. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, will be our primary text for this morning. Starting this morning, I'm continuing in our series on the attributes of God, which I've, I started back in late July. But over the next three were weeks, we're going to be looking at the attributes of God that are known as the three omnis, the omnipresence of God, then next week the omniscience of God, and then on the 24th, the omnipotence of God. So the Latin prefix Omni simply means all. That's what it means. So God is all present, everywhere, all the time. God is all knowing, and God is all powerful. And we will be looking at those three attributes, as I said, over the next three weeks. But this morning is the omnipresence of God. Psalm 139, just a tremendous psalm, speaking of God's vast knowledge of all things and his presence with us always. It is a psalm of David, and in verses 7 through 10, David writes, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven... You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Well, our first point this morning is everywhere present. The omnipresence of God means that God is at the same time present in every part of the universe. That very simply is what the omnipresence of God means. God is at the same time, all the time, present in every part of the universe. 
He is in every place at every point of his creation. There is no place, no place in the universe from which God is excluded. Now, the second attribute of God that we looked at was the spirituality of God. One of the attributes sometimes that we are least familiar with. And when I preached on the spirituality of God, I said that God does not have a body, that God is a spirit. And because God is a spirit, he is not limited by what we would call spatial dimensions. He is not limited by a human body. He is not limited by earthly limitations. He has no limitations. So... Because God is spirit, he can be everywhere present at one time. Let's take this a step further. He can be everywhere present in the fullness of all that he is all the time. So when God is present here and he's present in every other part of the world, in the remotest parts of the tribal peoples of the world, God is there and they get all of God. He is there in all of his fullness. So God is always present with the fullness of all that he is. So there is no escaping God's presence. No matter where we go, whether it's life or death, time or eternity, land or Or see, God is there. He's always there. The key text in any study of the omnipresence of God is the one that we're looking at this morning. And that is Psalm 139 and verses 7 through 10. David asks two rhetorical questions for which both questions demand a negative answer. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Notice the word spirit is capitalized. Where can I go? Or where shall I go from the Holy Spirit of God? And the answer is nowhere. There is nowhere that you can go from the spirit of God. Or where shall I flee from your presence? What would it take for me to flee from the presence of God? And the answer is, Nowhere. Nowhere. And so, in verses 8 and 9, David uses metaphorical words to describe the fact that God is everywhere. In the north, in the south, in the east, and in the west. He says, if I ascend to heaven... Obviously, heaven is to the north. No matter how, high, how far you go north, no matter how high you go in the universe, God is there. If I make my bed in Sheol, Sheol is a reference to the grave. And the thought here is, no matter how far south I go into the depths of the earth, Whatever that is, no no matter how deeply I go into the south 
of the universe, wherever I go, God is there. If I take the wings of the morning, the wings of the morning is a reference to the rising of the sun. So no matter how far east I go, however far east is in the universe, God's there everywhere. And he says, and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea. In the Holy Land, the Mediterranean Sea is to the west. And so if I go to the uttermost parts of the Mediterranean Sea or any sea or any ocean or any body of water, no matter how far I go to the west, however far west is, God is there. God is there. And then verse 10. Even there, even to the farthest part of the north, even there to the farthest part of the south, even there to the farthest part of the east, even there to the farthest part of the west, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And I want you to imagine. The hand of God is on your shoulder. No matter where you go. No matter. There is no place that you can escape from God. And we'll see this a little later. This is both of great comfort and great conviction in our lives. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. But let's think about this more specifically. In the Bible... When it talks about the omnipresence of God, it usually refers to it in terms of the heavens and the earth. He is the God of the heavens and he is the God of the earth. So let's take the heavens first. God is everywhere present in the heights of heaven. We know, just from our reading of scripture, especially the Psalms and the prophets, we know that God is in the heights of heaven. We know that God dwells on a high and holy throne. This is what we call the transcendence of God. If you have been with us in this series, you know that I mentioned the transcendence of God again when we talked about the attribute of spirituality. Transcendence sounds like a really big and complicated word, but it's not. It simply means that God is other. He is distinct. He is not limited in any way by human limitations or earthly limitations. Think of it this way when you think of that word. He transcends all limitations. That's how you can remember what transcendence means. God transcends all limitations. God is high in the heavens. Psalm 123 verse 1 says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. So when we lift up our eyes, we are lifting our eyes to heaven. I've mentioned this before. It's an interesting thing, especially in Western culture and the way that we pray. 
Biblically, if you look at the biblical texts from Genesis to Revelation, people most often prayed with their hands lifted and their eyes to heaven. And that's because that's where the throne of God is. In Western culture, we tend to pray with our heads down and our eyes closed. And that was really started more to show homage to God that we bow before him in humility. So it's a good posture. Please don't misunderstand me. Bowing our heads before God shows humility and brokenness before God. But the more prevalent prayer posture in Scripture is lifting our eyes and hands to heaven. Because that's where God is. And no one is above God. In the organizational chart of the universe, God is by himself at the head. God towers over the earth. No one is on his level. And we say and we sing God over all. And that's because that's who he is. He is God over all. I want you to think of something interesting with me this morning. And I read this, and I just wanted to share it with you. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, two of my favorite chapters in the whole book of Revelation, John, the Apostle John, is transported to heaven. So he's taken up to heaven. And so when John, the Apostle John, goes to heaven, what does he see? What is the first thing John sees when he goes to heaven? It's not the streets of gold. It's not the gates of pearl. It's not the river of life. And when John gets to heaven, the first thing he he asks isn't who's there and who's not there. You know, we kind of think that's what we're going to do when we get to heaven. Who's there and who's not? But that's not what John sees. The very first thing he sees is a throne. Standing in heaven. And everything in the universe finds its relationship to this throne. A throne standing in heaven and one great and mighty and powerful God sitting upon the throne. He is the king of all the kings. He is the judge of all the judges. He is the Lord of all the lords, and for us today and in every era of human history, God's people have found great strength in the fact that God now in heaven is sitting on his throne. He's everywhere present in heaven. And sometimes we say that so casually and so glibly. You know, the election doesn't turn out the way we want it to, or there are difficult circumstances in the world and we say well at least God is still on the throne when we say that we should say that in great praise and even with a sense of fear and trembling God is on his throne we need not worry about what we see because by faith we know that God is on the throne of history God is in his heavens, and God is upon his throne. God is always, always high and lifted up. Well, our second point is the God who is near. 
God is not only everywhere present in the heights of heaven. He is also everywhere present in every part of the earth. So he's not only everywhere present in heaven. He's everywhere present among us. So not only is he transcendent. But he is also eminent. So he is transcendent and he is eminent. Eminent again. Sounds like a big complicated word, but it's not. It means that God is God in all of his fullness right with us. Right here. Right now. God is right here with us. He is eminent with us. Even as we meet together and everywhere I go, God is there. So not only is he far away, but he is near. So not only is he a guy, a God who is high and ruling and reigning, but he is a God who is with me in the trenches of life. Aren't you glad for that? Praise him for that. He is not only high and holy and sitting on his throne, but he's right there with me in the trenches of life. He's right there with me in the pit. When I'm in the pit of emotional spiritual or physical despondency, he's right there, right there with me. He is a God. Think of it. He is a God with with me in the nitty, gritty, mundane, routine details of everyday life. He is right there with me. He is a God who is always with me in the tough times. A God who was with Daniel. In the lion's den. A God who was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right in the fiery furnace. What a great passage. On the omnipresence of God. God was in the furnace with them. What a comfort. What a comfort to know that we are never alone. We think of that Matt Redman song. That we sing here. Never once. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. Never once. Not one time. Not one time, Christian, have you ever walked alone. Not one time has God ever left you alone. Another key passage on this is Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. For thus says the one who is high And lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also, and also with him, who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Oh, praise him. He dwells in a high and holy place. And also with you who are broken and humble before him. And think of for how many centuries God's people have found such comfort in Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can walk through the very valley of the shadow of death. And he says, fear not. 
Why shouldn't we fear? Because he's there. Because he's with us. It's not on the screen, but we think of that other familiar passage so comforting to us. Hebrews 13, 5. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, let's think of this this morning in practical terms. God's omnipresence is both comforting and convicting for the child of God. First of all, it is comforting to know, to know that God is with me in every adversity of life, to know that God is with me in every difficulty of life. I'm never, I'm never on my own. You know, we love to say, and and we should, God's grace is sufficient, and it is. But I want you to know that God's grace is always sufficient and with you. It is sufficient and it is with you wherever you go and where, whatever you are going through. He is there. He is there to comfort you and he is there to encourage you. But this also means, the omnipresence of God also means that I can never escape the Lord. There are people today, just like Jonah of old, who think they can run away from God. They try to run to another city. They try to run to another state. They try to run to another wife. They try to run to another family. And they think they can escape the Lord. But folks, we cannot run from our troubles. We cannot run away from our problems. We can't avoid God. And we can't avoid having to deal with the situations in each of our lives. David said, where shall I go from your spirit? There's nowhere. Where shall I flee from your presence? There's nowhere. You can never escape the Lord. He is everywhere present. And you know what? I thank God that he's everywhere present. Because I need to know that I can't run from my problems. That I can't run from my difficulties. But God is here with me and he will help me. I can cry out to him. And I can give those burdens, those troubles, those difficulties to him knowing he is right there with me. Well, at this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to give you a very simple instruction. One deacon is going to pray for the bread and cup this morning. The deacons will then hand out the bread and cup together. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of Scripture, and then we'll eat, and then I will read another passage of Scripture, and we will drink together. If you're watching by live stream this morning, as I know some of you are, while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.